Welcome back to Unsolved South. We're your hosts, Michelle. And Maddie. And happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Hope you're having a wonderful day and eating lots of turkey and pie and all the good stuff. All the good stuff. I hope we are, too. Me, too. I hope it's good. I'm ready for some sweets. How was your week? Um, it's Monday right now, but um, my brother came into town, Will came into town, and he visited me and spent the night at my house, and we went on a double date with him and his girlfriend, um, and we went to an escape room, and we escaped with one minute and some seconds left. I think it was like 20-something seconds. It was real <laughs> close. <laughs> real close to not escaping. And then we celebrated our... Uh, escaped from the witch's den uh with seafood and then came back and played video games till midnight and then went to sleep how was your week that sounds like fun um busy i have been up every day before six and i have been working almost non-stop on decorations wow Except for the other day, I did go get a massage. Ooh. I took Kayla with me because um, Billy fell. I'm probably not supposed to talk about it because I got in trouble for talking about him on the podcast. And I was <laughs> like, you talk about me with your co-workers. Yeah. And these and, are basically uh, our co-workers. What? And I said, these are basically our co-workers. Exactly. And I was like, these are our besties. I mean... I don't see what difference it makes, but anyway, I'm probably not supposed to tell, but what happened was, oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me wait until after the story. Wait. No, let's oh, do it no. after the story. Okay, fine. All right. My week was busy. We'll leave it at that. Okay. Okay, so this is our Thanksgiving show, so um, we're going to talk about two cases that happened on Thanksgiving. And really? coinc- coincidentally, both of them came from Texas, mm. which I guess don't spend Thanksgiving in Texas if you can help it. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. But um, they're both from back in the day, so you're probably safe now. Gotcha. You ready to get started? I am ready. Let's do it. Okay. On Thanksgiving night, November 28, 1996, in Houston, Texas, a family was gathered around the table waiting for their relative, a daughter, a granddaughter, and a sister, 29-year-old Kirsten Leah Wilson. They had talked to her the night before when they were all preparing their dishes for Thanksgiving. And she said she had to run to the grocery store and um, grab a few last minute items so that she could make her stuff that she was going to take to her grandmother's for Thanksgiving dinner. What was she going to make? Do we know? Okay. So they're all at Thanksgiving dinner. They're ready to eat, and she is not there. And it's not like her to be late, but you know how it is. Traffic, your macaroni takes a little longer than you thought, whatever. Mm. So they don't really think a lot of it, but, you know, they try to get in touch with her, and they can't. Um, 
can't reach her and then it starts to get later and so they they're more insistently trying to call trying to get in touch with her and they are not having any luck and then it gets to be extremely late and at this point they are just full out worried so her parents get in their car and they drive over to her apartment and when they get there they find that her front door is unlocked and so the mom and dad walk in and they're calling her name and you know they're yelling out for her, looking for her. and the father wanders down the hall and into Kristen's bedroom and when he does he begins to scream hysterically the mother runs in and she sees that Kristen is on the floor of her bedroom she's laying on her back and she is naked from the waist down with her clothes having pull been pulled up to her chest oh man she had been strangled and probably sexually assaulted according to the yeah. police the evidence they collected suggested that when Kristen went to the grocery store to buy the items for her Thanksgiving dinner somebody broke into her bottom floor apartment by reaching through a cat door that was in her window screen so they believe this guy reached in there and then was able to take the window frame out and get what? into her apartment that way he went in he cut her phone cords so she could not call for help he unscrewed all the light bulbs. Oh my God. To keep the apartment dark. And then he waited for her in the dark until she came in. So this she has got to be somebody in. she knows. Do what? This has got to be somebody she knows. Um, I don't know if it's somebody she knows, but I do believe it's somebody that had been watching her. Yeah. Whether that is a neighbor or just, you know, some rando stalker or, you know, just some crazy person that happened to come across her somewhere. Mm -hmm. I do definitely believe this wasn't somebody that was like, oh, let me just pick a random apartment and go in here and see what happens. Yeah. N not at all. This was definitely somebody that at least knew her whether she knew them or not. But anyway, so according to what they have pieced together through the evidence, Kristen comes in, she puts her groceries down in the kitchen, and then she walks back to the bedroom probably to change her clothes. Mm -hmm. And that's where she was ambushed. And she put up a fight. She broke several of her fingernails trying to fight off the attacker. But in the end, she just wasn't successful. Now, after the murder, Kristen's body was posed with her legs crossed at the ankles and her hands laid in her lap. And police felt like this position was highly unusual. Um, nobody had seen a sexual assault in which the, the victim was posed in such a way. In yeah. most cases, they're just left with their legs open. 
So police found that to be very interesting and odd. So with it being such an odd thing to happen, um, you would think that there would be another victim somewhere that was posed a similar way or something like that. And they would be able to say, you know, oh, this could be the same guy. And so far that has not happened. Hmm. Is it one and done? Um, but that's not really a thing most of the time unless something happens. Yeah. So there were no witnesses. Nobody heard any commotion or screams. Nobody saw anybody running. There were no cameras that caught anything. And they have not found any suspects that they have named. Um, Kristen's family want her sister in particular said that she knows they should be more in the public eye and mm -hmm. keeping this this case in the public eye and they've not done that really um the mom really was troubled by it she doesn't really talk about it very much the father died um shortly after just a couple years after he was only 66 i did not find how he died but um she did say that it had truly affected him being the one to find his daughter's body like that yeah and i um, can only imagine so but the sister wanted everybody to know that kristen was a wonderful girl that she loved to decorate for the holidays she loved football people liked her she had an infectious smile she was her sister's best friend and a wonderful aunt she never got the chance to have her own kids but she would have been a terrific mother and they would basically just very much like closure in this case so if anybody has heard of a case where someone was posed like that or if anyone has any information um, the Texas Rangers are handling this case and there's also a number for Crime Stoppers and there is a reward offered there. So that'll be in the show notes. Do you have um, theories or comments or anything? I mean, there was no like, there's no ex-boyfriend or nothing. There was nothing. Some no guy one... that she turned down at a bar or nothing. Well, but, you know, honestly, who tells somebody about every guy they turn down at a bar? Yeah. You know, somebody talks to you or whatever. I mean, and it, honestly, she didn't even have to turn them down. It could have just been some guy that she said excuse me to in the grocery store. Mm -hmm. She may not have even thought it was anything that stood out. Yeah, I guess. That's crazy. It is. And it's scary. It is so scary. You know, because there are just psychos everywhere. You know, Miss Bertha told me that one time that, um, not about psychos, but she said that when her husband died, that the hardest part of, of being alone was if she left the house 
she had to be back before dark because if she walked in the house after dark, she was terrified that somebody was in the house. That it, oh, yeah. it was just a huge fear and she had never had it before until he died. And after that, she if she went to go somewhere, she would make sure she was home before it got dark. Oh, wow. And I was like, I, I never really thought about that. Yeah. But, um, you know, if ever I have an occasion to be alone in my house, I don't like to leave after dark either. I'm like, oh, that's a sketchy coming back. It feels scary. Yeah. You're just like, uh, okay, I'm going to go to bed now. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, I don't know. It feels like, um. Like, during the day, if I leave and come back, I'm fine. But at night, I feel like somebody came into the house. Somebody's yeah. been here. Somebody is here. Whatever. And the it's ghosts sketchy. are going to get me something. Yeah. So, you know, it's, I don't know. So, it's hard. Like, it would be scary to come in and, like, your light bulbs not work. But, honestly, I don't know how many I would turn on before I was like, what the hell? You well, know? maybe you would assume hey, your power is out. Do what? Maybe you would just assume your power is out. Right, but, I mean, also, not everybody comes in and immediately cuts on light. I mean, my hallway is usually dark as I'll get out. Uh, yeah, I can't see nothing in your hallway. You know how many times I've stubbed my toe in your hallway? You'd be out. Oh, yeah, you can you see now because I've got a winter wonderland of snowflakes and lights going I on heard. in there. And it is so cute. I got to finish cleaning my hallway out because I got, uh, it's still full of decorations, but yeah, for the most part, my lights at least are super cute. I love them. Well, I'm excited to see them. Yeah, I love them. I, I misjudged some of the heights, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I'll be all right. Cotton ball to the eyeball never hurt nobody. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I can walk straight through. <laughs> Will was like he had to dodge and bob and weave, bob and weave. You do, but it's worth it because it looks so cute. <laughs> I'm excited okay. to see it. You ready for the next story? Yes, let's go. Okay. On November 28, 1985, in Fort Worth, Texas, the Blount family gathered for Thanksgiving dinner. In attendance were Joe, his wife Susan, his daughter Angela, who was 15, his son Robert, who was 14, his nephew Michael Columbus, who was 18, and his brother Carl. Carl was Michael's father, but they had kind of a iffy relationship. So, they finish eating about 6 p.m., and um, they visited a touch, and then Carl left. Mm. So, about 9 p.m., Susan goes to lay down, and um, Joe decides that would be a good opportunity to take the kids, and they would run to a local convenience store and pick up some beer and ice cream, and... Um, you know, have a little snacky when they get back to the house, right? Mm -hmm. So, while they're gone, Susan hears somebody knock on the door. And, um, you know how it is when you're kind of tired, it's 
it's after nine when you know because she went and laid down at nine so you know it's kind of late and she's had a lay down and so she's like who's at the door but she gets up and goes and looks and she doesn't see anything she looks out the window she doesn't open the door she doesn't step out she just looks out the window she doesn't see anybody she's like good there go and so she goes back to the bedroom right mm -hmm. okay so joe and the kids return and when they do it's about 20 minutes later and they see a tan briefcase sitting on their porch what right so they're like where on earth did this come from what is this about but the three teens are they're kind of excited they're like oh it's probably full of money it's yeah, probably right. got jewels from a bank robber or something in it. And so they're like super excited. And mm -hmm. so they grab it up and they carry it into the house. And almost as soon as they get in, Angela starts to open the briefcase and it explodes. <gasps> it I killed. I knew it was going to be a bomb. I almost said that. Well, there you go. It killed Joe. It killed his daughter, Angela, and his nephew, Michael. Um, Robert, although he was in the room, he wasn't as close. Mm -hmm. And he was severely injured as far as he had terrible burns to his feet. Um, so I'm guessing he was sitting there with like his feet up. But he was wearing slippers, and they melted to his feet. Oh, my gosh. Um, he did survive, though. And Susan, who was in another room, was not injured. Because she was still in the bedroom laying down. Police arrived pretty quickly, because it's not every day a bomb goes off. Yeah. And they combed through the wreckage of the trailer, and they spent months investigating they questioned hundreds of people, but they could not come up with any conclusive evidence on who had planted the bomb. But they did decide that they didn't think the bomb was actually meant for this family. They thought it was probably that someone either mistook them for somebody else or had simply gotten the wrong address and had left it on the wrong porch. They really? believed that That's it had something to do with drugs, but they didn't really elaborate on that. Although an, an uh, ATF agent said that Trailer Park was full of drug dealers. But hold on. This seems like something you would double check the address for. Oh, yeah, but I mean... Like, go deliver this bomb. Make sure you don't deliver it to the wrong person. Like... You, I feel like you would confirm the address. Just to confirm. I mean, we're at 478, right? Not 476. Well, I feel like um, a professional would probably confirm the address. I also probably wouldn't just leave a suitcase bomb where anybody could get it. Yeah. Like, what like about I don't think pirates? that damn porch pirates was a thing, but could you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's the last time they'd porch pirate. Anyway. 
So about 10 years later, a man named Charles Ferris comes forward and he tells police that his cellmate, he's in jail, his cellmate has confessed to him that he had done this bombing. Okay. And so, um, and his cellmate's name is Michael Tony. And Michael Tony has a long criminal record. He has been in and out of jail for most of his life. He grew up, um, his father, I think, was abusive, and his parents split. And then his mom worked at, at bars and was away a lot at night. And then she would bring home men, and these men would abuse him. Um, and he just had a really rough growing up and he was in and out of jail for most of his life since he was a teenager. And mm. so he was in jail at this time, um, on a burglary charge from 93. And that's where he met the Ferris guy. And so according to Ferris, they are talking one night and on the subject of this Blount family bombing. And Michael says that he was the one that did it. And so Ferris goes to the police and he tells them, you know, hey, my Sally confessed to me and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll testify or whatever. And he did this in exchange for the police releasing him from prison. Okay. Now, I don't know what his charge was, but he was in prison. Okay. The police decide they've got a pretty strong case against Michael. Yeah. And this case is going to include testimony from his ex-wife and his best friend, as well as that cellmate and another cellmate. But before going to trial... The DA is told that when Ferris found out that Michael had actually been indicted for this bombing, that he changed his story and he said, listen, he didn't really tell me that. We came up with this story. So he said, I came up with the story so that I could get early release. And he didn't really tell me that we were discussing it, but he didn't say he did it. I just wanted to get released from prison, and but I can't watch him get indicted when I know he didn't do it. What? The DA is like, uh, I can't see you. I can't hear you. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Are you suddenly so, speaking a different language? Right. So the trial continues on and, um, well, it begins in May of 1999. Mm -hmm. Susan is called to testify as the only surviving witness, but, you know, she doesn't really know anything. Yeah. Michael's ex-wife and his best friend testify that on the night of November 28th, 1985, the three of them had traveled to a propane shop together. And that shop was close to this trailer park. And Michael had gotten out of his truck and he was carrying a briefcase. He left. He came back a short while later without the briefcase. Both of okay. them testified to that. Hmm. 
Another cellmate came forward, who had come forward, testified that Michael was, um, <clears throat> Michael told him that he received $5,000 to deliver the bomb as part of a drug-related hit. But, Just $5,000? That seems like huh? low for, that seems low for a bomb. I don't know what the going rate for bombs are, but... Just well, seems I don't pretty low. Honestly, know what the going rate is either. But I'm feeling like supplies and skill and stuff is worth more than five thousand dollars. Well, also though that was back in the in day, so could it have been um more money? I mean, I don't know. Five thousand dollars I feel like was serious business back in the day, but I don't really know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> he said that um, Michael was paid $5,000 to deliver the bomb, but he put it on the wrong doorstep. And that's well, how it wound see, up where it was. See, you get what you pay for. I guess. Now, Michael was allowed to testify for himself, and he said um, he did not even know that that trailer park existed. Until shortly before his arrest. And he went on to say that the ex-wife and the best friend, I guess ex-best friend, um, were lying and that he, they said that he, they had been in Michael's truck when this happened. And Michael says that he couldn't have been in the truck on November 28th because he did not buy it until December 13th. Ooh. Is that true? Did we verify that? Uh, yes, it actually was verified later. I don't know if it was verified during the trial. Um, he was found guilty and he was sentenced to death. What? Um, they, I guess, believe the other people above him. Now, shortly after his conviction, it was discovered that the cellmate who testified against Michael, not the one that refused to testify after changing his story, but the other one, mm -hmm. he was actually a pedophile and he was facing charges of indecency with a minor and they dropped those charges in exchange for his testimony. Hmm. And he later claimed that he lied on the stand. That that was not true. Michael never said that. Uh, yeah, I'm starting to believe that Michael didn't have anything to do with this. Well, Michael's best friend, when he was being interviewed by the police, it came out later that he had changed his story at least four times. And that his story never matched the ex-wife's story until the trial. That was the hmm. first time they had got their story straight. Hmm. Every other time the story was different. They had given this friend a polygraph test, which we know is not going to stand up, but dude failed. Yeah. And then later in 2001, he wound up recanting his testimony with a signed affidavit. He made the entire thing up. 
They also found out, like I said, that Michael was telling the truth about when he bought the truck. So that cast out on their story because they were lying about the vehicle they were in. So they didn't execute him yet, did they? Do what? They didn't execute him, did they, yet? No, not not at this time. Okay, so it came out that the district attorney's office had actually withheld at least 14 pieces of key evidence that would have exonerated Michael Mm. if his defense had been made aware of this evidence. Mm. So due to that, his case was overturned by the Texas Attorney General on December 17th, 2008 but he was not released from prison until September 2nd 2009 Mm. isn't that wild that's almost a year later why so long I don't know takes a long time to get the paperwork done or whatever oh man that'd be mad he had spent more than 10 years on death row He was released September 2nd, 2009, and he died October 3rd, a month later, of an automobile accident. He lost control of his truck and was ejected and died instantly. Oh, my goodness. Now, um, there were rumors that Michael had actually told the police that he knew who had carried out the bombing and that once he was released from prison, he would name that person. But he never did that, so that could have been a ploy to get out of prison early like the other dude. Or yeah. he may have had the information and just been like, you know, F y'all, I'm, I'm tired of y'all. And just didn't choose to help him. I mean, he has a right there. So, this case was never solved. It has um, rewards up. It is an open case, but it is has not been solved. Did they ever look into the wife? Um, Susan? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they did. They they went through everything, but, you know, I don't know that, I don't know what Susan did. I don't know a lot about Susan, so I don't know that she had the skill to build a bomb. Yeah. But also, I think it would be unusual for a woman to blow her kids up. True poisoning or something you know maybe um but just to plant a bomb and then you don't even know who it's gonna get yeah you know the assumption there would be that she was trying to kill her husband in particular and -hmm. if she got anybody else you know that was whatever collateral damage in that situation but she could not be sure that her husband was the one I mean he could have been like wherever Robert was and just got hurt you know yeah and then she blew up all her kids that's you know so I don't I don't think that she was shady 
Gotcha. I know one of the sources I saw they came across this shady because they said she was the only one that wasn't injured. And um and that sounds shady like she was like, Let me stand back. But then also I was like, um I, that may be how I would be. Because, <laughs> you know, I think some stuff is shady sometimes, and I'd be like, mm, I am not opening that shit. Yeah, but why would you open, I don't know, I guess bombs weren't really common then. It just seems like something you wouldn't open. You know, I don't know, but I know that at some point in my teenage years, there was a string where there were a lot of mail bombs getting delivered. Yeah. So I don't know that I would have just, you know, opened a random package. Yeah, a briefcase on your porch. No. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to lie because I feel like if I just found a random suitcase or something, I'm opening it. I'm so nosy. I just, I feel like, yeah. in all honesty, I want to be like, I absolutely would not. But I, I'm not going to... Um, lie and say that I'm not one of the nosiest people I know and I probably would open it. Yeah, I guess I probably would too. Because I was thinking about um, people find like bodies and stuff in yeah. uh, and that the woods. Yeah, and that could be your chance to find a body. Yeah, On your porch though? I mean, y'all never know. I mean, I guess. I feel like I don't know. <laughs> I, feel like I don't want to find a body that would fit in a suitcase, in a briefcase. That no, would be I terrible. Don't. Yeah. Unless it's full of bones. That would be alright. Yeah. I had said that about, uh, there was a cooler on the side of the road we passed, and I was like, Zane, that could be your chance to find a body. And he was like, is that a thing people want? <laughs> He's not wrong. Normal people probably don't want that. I don't know. I, I feel like when you like look in a bag or something in the woods, you, part of you is like, this could be a body. Yes, 100%. But, but then some people don't even open that bag. If there's a chance that it could be a dead body, they find a bag suspiciously in the woods. They don't open it. They just call the police. Oh, no. I, or, I like, can't. they'll peek, and then they'll see, like, a finger, and then they'll close it immediately and call the police. No, I'm opening that whole thing. And then well, they the say, well, you're not supposed to open it because you could contaminate the evidence or whatever. Listen, I already opened it. I, don't, I opened it before I knew it was the body. Sorry. Yeah, I've already touched That's it. That's just so Might as well just go ahead and open it all the way. <laughs> So, um, speaking of Zane, you know how he always says, uh, you think everything's shady like yeah. that real quick. My dog is next to me and he is having a good old time with this personal business. So if y'all hear that on this recording, I'm so sorry about it, but I just realized because I've got my headphones on and so I could not hear him. And I just realized that he's over here just enjoying himself immensely. <laughs> right next to the computer so I do ew. apologize and I promise it to my dog <laughs> ew <laughs> so hopefully it didn't but um here's the hoping he was really close <laughs> really close 
<laughs> but I just glanced over and saw him, and I'm like, I, I could not hear him because of my headset. So. Randy's probably dur- turned off this podcast right now because she's like, I can't stand that noise. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> anyway, um, so the other week we were driving home from. I don't remember where we were coming from, but it was late. Oh, it must have been a um a late football practice or a game. Mm-hmm. Oh no no no! I remember he had a um FFA meeting, and it was like at uh, seven o'clock or something. So it was like um eight thirty nine o'clock. We were on the way back, mm-hmm. and um. We were, it's like uh, 30 minutes to his school, and it's like all back roads mostly. I mean, it's like, you know, it's rural. And so, anyway, we were driving along, and off of a dirt road, this vehicle pulls out. Like, it's sitting there, and it's got time to go, and it doesn't. And then when we pass, it pulls out right behind us. And then another vehicle pulled out right behind them. So at first, I think they may be pulling the other vehicle. And so that may be the issue. But Mm -hmm. they get up, like, right on the bumper and ride. And I'm like, this is super annoying. So I'm in the Jeep, and the Jeep is a little sketchy at high speeds on the crinkle cuts in the road. Oh my god, yes. And so I'm not really big on passing in the Jeep unless I got to. And so, um, or speeding in the Jeep unless I just have to. And so I'm not, and I'm not into it. And so I slow way down. And then they slow down and back off of me. And so I speed up and they're right up on my bumper again. And they followed me through like five or six turns. And um, and I got to the little town close to where we stay and... I had two options. I could turn because I got family all up and down that road. And so I could turn one way and go, I got brothers that live up there. Or I could turn the other way and go and um, go that direction back towards um, where everybody lives. Okay. So I'm like pondering on it. Because Mm. I've already gone through the town and everything. And I'm like, surely they're going to turn. And they do not. And I have slowed down and sped up numerous times in this trip. They have been following me for a good 20 miles. On every Mm. single turn, every time I slow down, every time I sped up. And so I'm in my mind, I'm pondering it. Because, you know, you got to make a plan. And so, um... And I know, I don't, I think like a lot of places have police 24 7, and these places where we are do not. 
Yeah. And so it's not like, you know, like, I know you would go, would just go to the police station. I passed the police station and the fire station. They're not there. And so, um, anyway, when we get out where it gets dark again, I'm like, I'm thinking about it. And Zane said, these people have been following us since, like, way, way back. And I said, yeah. I know, and he said, it, it, that's creepy, That that's really, that's creepy, and I said, yeah, I know, he's like, well, what do we do, and I said, I don't know, I'm gonna um, consider it, and I'm thinking, you know, do, do I turn left, do I turn right, and so I get up there, and I'm like, no, I'm going to go the other way because there's a lot of hunting and stuff that takes place down there uh, near where my brothers are. And so if they're out hunting or something, then they turn that way just, you know, because. And so I'm like, no, I'm going to go the other way. And if they turn also, then I'm going to call my father and be like, meet me outside with the gun and I'm going to go to his house. Yeah. And so... um I'm like, that's what we're going to do. And so we turned and they went straight. Ooh. But they followed us for 20 miles. Jeez. And Zane was like, that was the sketchiest thing I've ever had happen. And I was like. Ooh, that was sketchy then, because Zane, I mean, shit, will go down, and Zane will be like, oh my god, do you think everything's sketchy? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no, but this was. Yeah. And he's like, no, that, that really was sketchy. I really thought they were following us. It was wild. I mean, because I don't know why they didn't pass, though. They were not towing each other, but they were together. How weird. Yeah, I know. I was like, man. But I had been watching them, and then I was like, and then I started second-guessing myself, like, man, I should have turned back there the other way. I should have gone that direction. Yeah. But, you know, then I was like, certainly they're going to turn, and then they never did. It was crazy. Hmm. And then I had another sketchy thing happen, too, but I'm going to tell y'all the story about Billy, and then I'll okay. tell you that sketchy thing on the next episode, so remind me, all right? Okay. Okay. It was a sketchy thing at Sam's. All right. I'm writing a note. Okay. You write a note. Okay. So, what had happened was, um, like Maddie said, Will, it, he was coming to visit, or he has come to visit, and he has brought his new girlfriend. And I guess she ain't new at this point. They've been together for a minute. But because he is stationed so far away from us, I have not met her. Maddie and Noah have met her. And Billy and Zane have met her because they have gone um, to visit with Will where he's stationed. And yeah. I have not had the opportunity to meet her um, until this week. But... Um, Kayla has this thing where she just acts like her knees don't work. And so she free falls onto the furniture. And yeah. I am forever saying, Kayla, please do not free fall onto my damn furniture. So, um, we're sitting in here watching TV 
a couple days before um, they're supposed to get here, like a week before they're supposed to get here. And Kayla comes in, and me and Billy are in here sitting, and Kayla free falls into the center of the sofa. And when she does, Ooh. it breaks. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say she hit that wood piece. There's a wood well, piece in between two of the things. I broke my foot on that thing. On um, what? Uh, in your couch between the far left uh, seat and the middle seat is a piece of wood. Well, she and broke you, like, it, I say. I broke my foot. No. You okay, didn't. so she broke the couch? Yeah, she broke the couch. The couch in the, the center cushion broke. And so it like fell in towards the floor at the corner where it meets <laughs> like from the center to the left. Yeah. Part. So she like goes down in the sofa. So, and the look on her face <laughs> had me dying. And I'm like, <laughs> that shit right there is why I said stop free falling into my furniture. Okay, to be fair, the couch was um, very long used, and it was time for a new one anyway. Yeah. So, um, I wasn't that annoyed, but also because she had that look on her face that it killed me. I mean, I <laughs> like laughed for 15 minutes. I was, it scared the shit out of her. So, anyway, um, so we're like, we'll get another couch. But I guess me and him don't have the same taste in couches yeah and um and i don't want to do the recliners again because I, i'm they're not comfortable to me you can't lay on the couch that's got the recliners because they suck and um and he kept pushing for that and so it took a minute to find a couch that we both like and i'm like i don't want to go spend a ton of money on a new couch because we've got the dogs and the grandbabies and people that free fall into the furniture <laughs> and because Kayla gets that honestly because her father free falls yeah. into the furniture also. He really does. And so um, you know how many recliners he has had? <laughs> exactly and he needs another one. Yeah. So um, I'm like I don't want to go spend a ton of money on a new one I'll just find a used one that I like and then yeah. I'm not finding one I like and then he's getting frustrated because he's like what about this one what about that one it, some of the ones he's sending me are just butt ugly yeah and I'm like but it's ugly and he's like I mean is it yeah yeah it is <laughs> so, <laughs> um so we found one we like but it's too far away and I'm yeah. like, man, that is, that's such a long ride. And, you know, I ain't got no time and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so um, he sends me one. And I guess he didn't think I was going to like it or whatever because he had sent a white one. And I'm like, are you on drugs? <laughs> and so um, he sent me this cream-colored couch, a, so, a picture of this cream-colored couch. And I'm like, oh, my God, I love that. And he's yeah. like, do you? And I'm like, yes. The price, absolutely amazing on it. I'm like, I, I want it. That's the one I want. And he's like, well, what about this one? And I'm like, I mean, if you want to get that one too, 
That's because <laughs> we actually have two couches in our living room right now to make room for everybody to sit during the yeah. holidays. We have a and lot so, of people. Right. And so, and it's a good size room. It fits two couches and then I got both the chairs in here. Although yeah. I did have to swap to a smaller chair because I left space to put up my Christmas tree. So, you know, it's a good size room. It's fine. I'm like, listen, uh, I love that couch. I said, but if you want to get the other one too, that's fine. But this one I love. And so he's like, really? And I'm like, yes, I absolutely, it is gorgeous. And so um, he's like, okay. So he talks to the dude and he's like, you know, well, yeah, the guy's like, yeah, come get it. And he's like, but he's an Alabama fan. And I'm like, um, and, you know, we're Georgia fans. And so that's a whole thing. And I'm like, ooh, you know, I hope he didn't get none on the couch. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, we're joking and everything. But, you know, dude seems cool. But he's like, yeah, come get it. You'd be doing me a favor to come get it. So yeah. I'm like, listen, this is a nice sofa. I dealt in furniture for years. This is a nice sofa. This is not a, you know, like... An everyday brand. It's not right. an Ashley furniture sofa. This is a like a legit sofa. And so I know that it is. And I'm like, what is wrong with it? And uh he's like, I don't know. He said he just needs to get rid of it. He's got to get it out of his house. And so he gets Zane and he goes and gets it and they take the trailer. And um he's like, he said it was heavy. And he just mm. really needs help getting it out of his house because he finally convinced his wife to get rid of it. And um, but he says it's heavy and he's like, but I'm like, the recliner sofas are heavy because I got the reclining mechanism. How heavy could it be? So, um, you know, I'm not worried about it. So he takes Zane. They go to get it. So um, me and Kayla went I don't know where we were, but anyway, we came back, and, oh, was that the day of my fight? Yeah, that was the day of uh, our scheduled family <laughs> fight, which turned out fine, but anyway, um, so I come back, and he's, it's on the trailer still, and I'm like, why on earth is it still on the trailer? And he's like, it's heavy. And I'm like, I mean, you said how heavy can it be? He's like, it's extremely heavy. Like, it is so heavy. So, oh, my God. I'm like, okay, well, um, you know, we need to get it in. And so, uh, he's like, I think everybody's got to get on a side. Like, it's going to take four of us. And I'm like, you know, oh, that's wow. cool. Except for going in the gate and going up the steps. Because, you know, me and Kayla got some chunk to us. We're not going to be able to be on the sides. Yeah. And so, uh, he's like, it is so heavy. That's why he wanted to get rid of it. And that's why it was so cheap. <laughs> because he just wanted help getting it out of his house. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, I'm like, okay, well, let's do this. Well, uh, Zane goes to get on the trailer to walk it off. Yeah. And he said, you think I'm walking backwards? Uh-uh. Are you crazy? And so he makes Zane switch with him and he gets on the trailer. Well, they he had disconnected the trailer from the um from the suburb. <laughs> and um 
and he was like walking and i thought should me and kayla like get on the front of the trailer to keep it and then i was like no, he's probably gonna ride it down <laughs> and step off with like an elevator <laughs> and and, and he did ride it down. <laughs> but when he did, the couch was super heavy. And I guess it buckled his knees when the trailer hit. And then he like fell. And I tried <laughs> to catch him. But he he hit the side of the trailer where the metal is. And it scraped his back super bad. It really oh is goodness. a bad scrape. And a bruise. But he's also under the couch. <laughs> <laughs> and he's up against the, the metal side of the trailer and you know it's like sticking like, I thought he got like stabbed and yeah. also he's under the couch that he's been complaining is so heavy right and so he's like oh I'm like I don't know what to do but I tried to catch him I just didn't do a good job and um Kayla's over there and she starts giggling and Zane's like, oh, my God, oh, my God. Like, um, none of us are really sure what to do. Yeah. And he's, like, sitting on the trailer on the ground with the couch on top of him, leaning up against the metal wall. So I am like, we'll get the couch off. And so, like, um, I move the couch off of him. <laughs> and when I do, the trailer comes flying back up. And he didn't even get. No. And I'm like, oh my God. And he was like, <laughs> then he was like, oh my God. And he got up and he like walked, tried to walk it off. And, um, and I'm like, oh my God, are you okay? Because like, I think, you know, he's like cut open, but it just scraped him. It was like, um, like somebody skinned a fish. Jesus. And, um, but it is like six or eight inches long and mm. like a inch and a half wide. Ow. And he's got a bruise at the top. It, it was pretty rough. Anyway, so um, it took forever to get the couch in. And then he went to work and told all his, his um, work friends how I... He said I dinosaur armed him, and I was like, I did so not. Funny. I actually tried to catch you, and he said, Yeah, I felt your hand brush across my ear as I went down. <laughs> 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 and I was like, But I did try. But in all honesty, like, what was the best case scenario then? Now we're both on the ground underneath the couch and we're depending on Kayla to get it off of us. <laughs> because, in all honesty, I don't know what the... Because I wasn't going to be able to stop him from falling. Yeah. So, like, I don't know what the best case scenario was if I actually had caught him. Just being know. honest. So, yeah, that was the thing. And then he was like, but then when he had just complained about me telling all my podcast friends, and then I was like, well, you tell all your work friends? Mm. So, I feel like it's fair. Yeah, it, it seems fair. 
But I do love my couch. Well, I'm glad. I want a picture of it. I'm going to send a picture, but you'll see it day after tomorrow or the day after that or something. Uh, we're coming down Thursday morning. All right. Well, you'll see it then. But it's deep. It's super deep. Like, mm -hmm. um, if you sit back, it'll probably be to your ankles. But when mm -hmm. I sit back on it, it's like, um, like my whole leg all the way down to my knee is on it. Ooh. It's super deep. Like, two people could lay on it. It's nice. not as comfy as I had hoped it would be. Yeah. But it's not uncomfortable by any means. But it's not as cushy as it looks like it is. Gotcha. It's kind of stiff, firm. but I still like it. Well, it's got the rounded arms and it's all tufted. Ooh. Yeah, no, I don't really like it. So anyway, I'll send you a picture. Okay. So, but that's all I got. That is all I have as well. So, I awesome. hope y'all enjoyed us, um, and I hope y'all enjoyed your Thanksgiving, and now for all you Christmas haters, it is officially Christmas for you, too. Yep, officially Christmas, Scrooge McDucks. Yep. So, you made it. Good job. You can light your Christmas trees tonight. Mine's already been lit. I ain't got one yet, but I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm excited about mine. Mine's pretty. Except Sawyer keeps uh, tearing the berries off of it. <laughs> Not the berries. <laughs> yes, the berries. I got like 20 or 30 berries on the floor right now. Aw. Yeah, I gotta put them back on. Maybe it'll grow more. Mm, I don't think so. I don't think that's how that works. Anyways, see y'all later. Bye. Bye.